Hi, welcome to Souls and Hearts Be With the Word. And I am Dr. Jerry Crete, a licensed marriage and family therapist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm here again with... I'm Dr. Peter Malinowski. I'm a clinical psychologist in Indianapolis, Indiana. And we're here um, for the fifth Sunday in Ordinary Time. And this is our show where we discuss the upcoming Sunday readings and we reflect on it from a psychological perspective. And Dr. Peter and I bring together our usually and almost always so far different uh, perspectives or notions and ideas and action items and themes about this reading and we bring them to you. And we hope that you'll enjoy it. And so Dr. Peter, how are you doing today? Doing well, I'm doing well. It's, uh, it's, things are good. How are you doing, Jerry? I am recovering from a cold. Mm -hmm. So I'm a little stuffy, I apologize in advance. But I think I'm on the mend, thank good. goodness. Good, well thank thanks goodness. for being here. Thanks for being here. <laughs> thank, well thank you for being here too. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, good to be here with you, Jerry. It really is. I really enjoy doing these with you. So I'm I'm appreciative of the time together and I'm appreciative of our audience as well for being here with us because you know you all are the reason that we do it. We're really hoping that these things bring about transformation in your life in little ways, but in cumulative ways. So mm -hmm. it's the whole reason for souls and hearts to exist and it's the whole reason for be with the word. So Yeah. 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 I mean, in, in a way, what we've been trying to do is bring some of our insights that we maybe bring sometimes to our clients, uh, to our patients and to uh, and things that we've learned over the years working with people clinically mm -hmm. and trying to bring that to you in a format that's digestible. Um, but also, you know, what I really do like about this is it's a really good spiritual growth for me um, every week really looking at these readings. I think mm -hmm. that for so many years of my life, pretty much all of them, um, with the exception of sometimes I, I would read, you know, um, the, um, the Magnificat or, or some other little helper occasionally, uh, I would do that. But this is really getting me going deeper into what these readings really mean. And I like the flow. I mean, this is really our liturgical year. Mm -hmm. we're following and it's the yep. we're entering into the church's life it, when we follow their weekly readings um and i and we're doing that in the communion of saints right i mean we're mm -hmm. doing that with all others that are you know that are uh, connecting with these readings as well to whatever degree they are so you know that's really important that yeah so so let's talk about our theme so what we usually do right is we both share our, our theme and mm -hmm. then we actually read the readings to you. They're pretty short this time. And then we get into our discussion. Yep. So uh, what was your theme this week? So my key theme, what really kind of stood out to me, not at first, but, 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 but grew as I, was, as I was thinking about these readings and reflecting on them and praying about them, was we despise in others what we don't tolerate in ourselves. Hmm. Yep. So we despise in others or we hold in contempt in other people what we hate in ourselves. And so that's a, a major theme and it can, so it can help us be diagnostic. Ah. Talk about that more. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I think mine will relate. I mean, there will be an intersection point because my theme was, I, I had a short this time, was stop mislabeling yourself. 
Stop right. mislabeling yourself. Okay. Yes, and I'll okay. explain that later. We'll get into what that really but means. I am curious to yeah, I am curious to to see how you how you draw that out because I'm 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 intrigued. You got me intrigued. Jerry. All right, awesome. Okay, well let's go to our readings so that we yes. can then get to our discussion. Well, do we and... want to talk about what's come upcoming now, or do we want to talk about that at the end? Oh, um, let's do it real quick. Let's do it real quick. So we have. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, what? I'll go. We have a I'll cool. Go. You go ahead. So last <laughs> week we published a really excellent blog by um, by Matt McCall, Dr. Matt McCall, psychologist on mindfulness and can Catholics use mindfulness? Which I think is just a really stimulating article. We talked about it a little bit, and then also um, we have upcoming uh, fly on the wall. It's first Friday this week, and so. Uh, we have a new installment to fly in the wall, six Catholic mental health professionals, all members of the Catholic Psychotherapy Association discussing um, what, how do Catholic mental health professionals uh, stay healthy themselves? So um, that, that may be of interest to some of you. Like what are the sort of inside scoop on what we talk about when we look at those things? So, And we will be having a blog coming up, actually, I think a series or at least a couple uh, by Wendy Barabo, who is a marriage and family therapist in Atlanta, Georgia. And she's going to be uh, writing about smart parenting in the smartphone era. So if you have a, if you are a parent and you have kids, you need to read that. <laughs> she's I'm going to be, some. I'm going to be all over that because yeah, I've got teenagers. I currently have four teenagers. Uh, so, um, you know, that's a big issue. The phone right. thing. Yeah. Yes. All right. To our readings. We are going to Isaiah 58, 7, 10. So I'll get started, all right? Yes. Uh, Thus says the Lord, share your bread with the hungry, shelter the oppressed and the homeless, clothe the naked when you see them, and do not turn your back on your own. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your wound shall quickly be healed. Your vindication shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove from your midst oppression, false accusation, and malicious speech, if you bestow your bread on the hungry and satisfy the afflicted, then light shall rise for you in the darkness, and the gloom shall become for you like midday. So a quick uh, just recitation of the main line in the responsorial psalm. The just man is a light in darkness to the upright. I may circle back around to that. So. Second reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, proclaiming the mystery of God, I did not come with sublimity of words or of wisdom. For I resolved to know nothing of while I was of while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling, and my message and my proclamation were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of spirit and power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on the power of God. And the Gospels from Matthew five thirteen to 16. Jesus said to his disciples, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its taste, what, with what can it be seasoned? It is no longer good for anything, but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. 
You are the light of the world. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. It is set on a lampstand where it gives light to all in the house. Just so your light must shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly father. And those are our readings. Those are our readings. So I'm curious, Dr. Jerry, let's get right into it. What, what <laughs> leapt out at, what leapt out at you? What leapt out at you? Well, the first things that were just, you know, leaping was the focus on doing. Um, and the, especially Isaiah, like there was this, you know, um, if you do these things, help the poor, oppressed, feed the hungry, uh, all this kind of thing, then your light will be shine on you or healing will happen to you. So there was this real, very clear, like, if you do this, then this. Right. Um, so that kind of hit me and it really focused on taking action. You know, sometimes, especially here, we talk about being still right. and, be, and the importance of being which right. is, of course is still important, but these readings, and then you get into St. Paul talking about doing in the spirit and power, not just coming in with fancy words, you know? So again, it's, it's doing, not talking. And then we see in the gospels, your good deeds show your good deeds. Right. So, so this doing theme is what jumped, leaped out at me actually. Right. Right. So we're not to be quietists, right? We actually are to do things. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that struck me too. Like there's this promise, right? If you do these things, share your bread with the hungry, shelter the oppressed and the homeless, clothe the naked, then your light shall break forth like the dawn. And then this is what really got me. And your wound shall quickly be healed. It's like, wow, that's a powerful promise. Like, whoa, that's really interesting. So, you know, I was thinking to myself, does that mean that if I work 20 hours a week at St. Vincent de Paul, you know, and I'm extremely busy with these kinds of corporal works of mercy that wounds I have inside are going to be healed. Because I think there are a bunch of people that operate like that, you know, um, you know, well, well, doesn't Isaiah noticed. kind of say that? So, well, I think it, I, I think it, it depends on what the words mean. I think it can be taken that way. I think it can be taken that way, but I'm not sure that that's actually the right interpretation. Oh, really? Yeah. It seems pretty clear to me, right? If you do right. this, then right. Right. What's, so, what's but your does take? that work for you? I mean, like, I guess that, my question is, so as a clinician, when you have somebody who has a wound that needs to be healed, Jerry, right. You assign them to St. Vincent de Paul and to, you know, work for, uh, you know, basically the social service, social justice side of, uh, you know, of uh, doing these corporal works of mercy, or do you do something else? It doesn't occur to me to immediately go to that, no. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't occur to me in that way either, although I am thinking about that more. I am thinking about that more as a result of studying these readings. Well, I think about how um, getting out of yourself, you know, like when you do help the homeless, when you do acts of justice and you do social actions of some kind that's helping people in need, I think it gets us out of ourselves. Right. You know, we don't stay stuck in our own negative thinking. We don't stay stuck in our own narcissism really. And, and we actually learn a lot about ourselves in that process. So I do think healing happens through service. Yeah. So you're, you're basically arguing, okay, too much self-absorption 
you get caught in your own internal struggle, you get sealed off from the external world, and then change doesn't happen, right? So you're sort of breaking out of that. There's, that's one yeah. way to look at it. One yeah. way to look at it. Yeah, I, you know, I, I was going back to love your neighbor as yourself, which I go back to a lot. Mm-hmm. And as an intra-psychic guy, which means I'm really interested in, in what goes on inside the psyche, right? I thought about the parts of us that are homeless, right? Our own internal orphans, the parts of us that we have rejected, the parts of us that are naked, shameful, that we don't want to deal with, right? And I was thinking, coupling that with love your neighbor as yourself. And I was really reflecting on the things that we won't deal with in other people, the things we won't love, the people we won't love because they activate something in us, mm-hmm. you know, that can tell us a lot about what we reject in ourselves. Mm. I think there's, a, I think this whole theme of acceptance that we've talked about before, accepting the parts of ourselves that are um, unseemly to us in some way is often, you know, we, what we reject in other people is what we reject in ourselves. So, so if we have our own house in order to, to some degree, it makes it easier to reach out to other people, to love them as we love ourselves. Right. Mm. So I think there's a, a both and here. We need so, to so love wait a second. internally. So are you saying that therefore, so if I don't take care of my own hunger and my own oppressions, right. oppressions then I'm not even going to be capable of seeing in other people their needs. I think it's a lot more difficult. I call this the starving waiter phenomenon. You uh-huh. know, so if you're going to serve rich, excellent food to other people, it's easier to do that if you're well-fed. You, you can make acts of charity like that, you know, but it's hard to hold a position of charity if you are internally starving because you're going to be focused on your own self and on the food and what you don't have. And so it's going to be very difficult to give that to some other person, right? So, um, so but at the same time, if your approach to this is only internal, if it's only about you meeting your own needs or God meeting your own needs and you won't move to love others at all before you feel satisfied, then that's a trap as well, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a kind of a both and here and kind of a, a dance between the ex- internal and the external. Hmm. Okay. No, I like yeah. that. That's interesting. Because yeah, otherwise we could fall into the idea of, and I think a lot of people do. In fact, I kind of have a history of this, of being, um, one of the reasons I'm so, you know, an intrapsychic psychologist is that I was pretty externally focused for a long time. If I, you know, did enough good deeds, I could merit the love of God. Right. You know, that sort of Pelagian idea of right. I could earn my salvation by doing enough good deeds. I could heal myself. I could heal myself mm-hmm. if I did enough good deeds, you know, right. and if I worked hard enough and I was very driven and so forth. Um, yeah. But I think the, the, the ingredient here, the missing ingredient for a lot of people is trust. And that really comes out of the responsorial psalm. Hmm. There's a, a line in the responsorial psalm, um, his heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Because it's very difficult to get outside of ourselves if we don't trust that our own needs are going to be met. Hmm. Right? And this is where we really need that trust in God, that childlike trust in God. You know, because otherwise, you know, if we don't believe that somehow we'll be taken care of, from somewhere else, then we're going to try to take care of our own needs. It's going to be very difficult to get away from that. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, I like that. That's beautiful. I know for me, um, I mean, I, I sometimes am sobered a little bit by readings like this. Um, not, I don't know that I personally have the big issue of doing to mer- try to merit salvation. Right. I think I, 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 I understand a lot of people might, but I think for me, um, I'm sobered by St. Paul's words, right? Okay. I'm sobered by the thought that um, message from God, message, his message is not persuasive words and wisdom, but demonstration. And so sometimes I'm like, okay, I can be a little in my head. I could spend, I would rather read theology books at night and, or read a Bible dictionary or something crazy than do anything. like i know that's you know like like doing this show is an action for me but it's in a comfort zone area like i think it hopefully it's one of my you know areas of strength that i'm playing on in terms of knowledge and content but it is wisdom right so i don't want to i have to sober myself and say okay am i spending all my time being eloquent and being a help like like helpful but not not useful, I guess. Um, you know, and it, it just forces me a little out of my shell to think I better do things too, you know, not neglect maybe people that are in front of me that need my help. Um, and maybe some of the more physical things, whereas I'd rather be more intellectual or more, you know, cerebral or something like that. So for me, that's a little sobering. Yeah. Yeah. That we actually are supposed to enter into it. Yeah. You know, um, and uh, and and get close to folks around us that are in need. Yeah, because I'm an introvert, and right. so I would be very happy to stay quietly in my hermitage and reflect on all these wonderful things by myself, right? Which then takes us to the gospel, right? Because and that sounds sort of heavenly and monastic, <laughs> and I totally, you know, I'm weird that way. I would love that, but. Um, that's an excess perhaps, at least for me and my vocation in my life. And I need to get um, sometimes out of myself. And so that to me takes me to like my take, my theme was, what was it again? Um, Stop mislabeling yourself, but mislabeling means, um, well, I'll get into that. But the not for, before you can mislabel yourself, you, um, you have to know, Oh, well, let me think about this. You have to know who you are, right? And then, or you have to know what is true about yourself. And then it's some error of judgment. Maybe it's some kind of negative cognition, some kind of, um, you know, basically overused negative thoughts that have been playing in the background or whatnot. You start mislabeling yourself and you forget who you truly are. And I feel like what Jesus says here, like you are salt of the earth you are the light of the world. So that needs to be demonstrated. That needs to be in the world. You know, you don't, you don't have just fancy Himalayan salt in your cupboard that you never use, right? You actually use it on food. You actually have your light not under a bushel. So I guess where I'm going is, is to say, um, if, I have, if I've learned something, like if I have some wisdom or understanding, <coughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, then what am I doing about it? Right? How am I putting it in some way into action in my life is kind of where, where I'm sobered into reflecting upon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense to me. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I, I wanted to get back to my point about mislabeling. And, right. I was um, real curious about that because I thought mislabeling would happen when you didn't know yourself and you put a label on yourself that doesn't really reflect the reality. Well, I think that is the case. But okay. um, I would argue that we do at some point know ourselves or maybe, maybe there are people that don't at all, I guess. But, um, and you lose sight of it. But I guess I it, could, it could be in either case, I suppose. Right, right. If you never knew. So uh, like a, a labeling, like especially like a global kind of labeling would be generalizing on some quality, like basically taking one or two qualities and, uh, and making a, a negative global judgment. Um, and by quality, I don't necessarily mean it's a good thing. So <clears throat> if I make some kind of mistake, right, um, you know, like uh, I'm fixing the tap and it like, breaks or something and water sprays in my face and i say ah oh, you idiot mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. i've just given myself this global generalized condemnation about my identity right um and and or or you know you make some mistake like i i don't know like maybe on the show i i say the wrong thing or whatever and then i'm like oh i'm stupid you know or or something like that and we do it to others too <clears throat> you know, like we see somebody in traffic, oh, that guy's a jerk. See somebody in traffic and you're like, oh, that guy's a jerk, right? And, and maybe that was a jerkish move. I don't know what was going on. But, but we, we jump to those generalized right. categories and label. And then what happens when we do that? It basically, we have all these sweeping generalizations about ourselves, about other people that are really, really negative and kind of create the men a mental filter again, like we've talked about right. in the past episodes, that that are that are unhealthy, right? right? And right. and it's the opposite of what Christ is doing in this reading. In, in this reading, Christ is saying he's giving us a healthy and a true, true generalization about ourselves. You are salt of the earth. You are light to the world. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. So the um. So, so why do we do that, Jerry? Why do you think we leap to that? Why do you think we leap to those generalizations? Right. I think it's, it's just because we're vicious. You know, is that just because we're vice ridden and fallen and so forth? Or you didn't think there's something else going on, something psychological? Right. Well, I, I do think that it's um, something psychological. I mean, it's part of also being, you know, a sin, our sinful nature, perhaps, you know, we are fallen. And, but I do think we get negative messages early, early on. We hear them from others. So perhaps it's even hearing our parents, you know, gen doing those negative sweeping generalizations against themselves or against others. And we kind of absorb that. We kind of learn over time. Um, what do you think we do? You know, I think it has a lot to... Um, kind of piggybacking off of that, I think it has a lot to do with um, ways that our consciences get malformed, right? Um, like, I think a lot of people condemn themselves for different, um, for different, uh, for different uh, attitudes that they have, different impulses that they have, different desires that they have, different emotions that they have, even different body sensations that they have. Okay. Yeah. So these are all like what are called in philosophy first acts. They come up spontaneously. They don't, um, they don't carry a moral weight until they're acted upon. 
right? right? But I think a lot of times people will condemn themselves for having certain emotions. Um, now, some of these things can be disordered, right? So if one notes that one's angry at God, right? Well, that there's some disorder there because, you know, God doesn't, doesn't, uh, isn't unjust to us. But the anger at God actually doesn't carry any moral weight until it's acted upon, right? So if one blasphemes, the sin is blasphemy. It's not being angry at God. It's not feeling anger at God. So I think a lot of times what happens is we, just like, you know, the tap, you know, like you use the example of, you know, the tap spewing water. Well, there wasn't a, a wrong act that led to the condemnation, right? It was, that, that's, that's not, you know, that's not, um, that's, there's no moral, no moral deficit there. So I think a lot of times what's happening is that people are condemning themselves for some kind of psychic activity, some kind of intrapsychic activity, you know, some kind of experience like anger or fear. You know, I, I never wanted to be afraid of anything, right? So I condemned fear, uh, even though that's a, no, a natural emotion. I mean, Paul talks about fear in the second reading. So um, I think what happens then is that um, we wind up accusing ourselves of the wrong things. And we're doing that in some way to protect ourselves. Like I never wanted to be afraid because I thought that showing fear or experiencing fear would lead me to not be at a, you know, to be vulnerable and weak and, and, um, and then be taken advantage of, um, you know, so I think it's really important to kind of know these things about ourselves because when we see them in other people, and this gets to my key theme, we despise in others what we despise in ourselves or what we condemn in ourselves. We can get to know like what we think about ourselves by really what we condemn in other people, right? So if, um, if I really don't like um, emotional neediness or clinginess in somebody, you know, that may be because I don't like my own emotional needs. I don't want to be small. You know, I want to be self-sufficient. I want to be able to stand on my own two feet. I want to be able to exist without God because maybe I have some fears about whether God actually loves me or not. You know, mm -hmm. and it seems safer to be self-reliant than to be a child in the arms of God. Right. But that's not that's not ordered. Right. The uh, the, the, the gospel passage doesn't say, you know, let the self-sufficient men come to me for the kingdom of heaven is made up of these. Right. So the little children come to me. So um, when we you know, I'm really about like what's getting in the way of us loving other people. What is it that keeps us from reaching out to the naked person or to the to the homeless person or to the to the person that's in uh, need of food, right? The hungry person. What's keeping us from being able to reach out to other people? It could be something very much within us, right? Something that gets activated when we see that. So I'm all about like, what are the you know, what's going to getting in what's psychologically getting in the way? And asking that question, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, I guess I'm curious. Like, I, I, I know what you're describing is definitely true. Like, I, I definitely see that. I sometimes wonder, though, like, why I'm, like, just thinking myself and personally mm -hmm. here. Like, I feel like I'm harder on myself. And I, it's easier for me to be compassionate to others. So I could see somebody else messing up. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, give them a lot of grace you know, and, and everything. But when I mess up, I'm really, I'm really like harsh. Okay. So I feel like that's a, maybe that's just a different dynamic. That may be a different dynamic. Yeah. I mean, so I, so I understand what you're saying. And again, we're very different, you know, for those that know <laughs> us, Jerry and I have very different styles, very different kinds of ways of looking at things. But 
Um, yeah, I could. So, so maybe it's safer to be angry at yourself than it is to be angry at other people or to be judgmental of yourself. Mm, I mean, right. there may be something there. Um, that kind of comes about maybe due to trauma. Like if it's safer to be, you know, trauma survivors are have to um, often blame themselves because that's safer than blaming the people that are supposed to be taking care of they, them. They take care of them. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. A, it's necessary for survival. Right. Um, right. Right. You know, um, yeah, that's interesting because, because, you know, again, though, that, that, that may also lead one to not look at other people, you know, accurately or to look at oneself accurately. It goes back to that distorted perception. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And that's why calling yourself an idiot or calling yourself stupid, you know, where you wouldn't be that hard on someone else. And yet you, you're that hard on yourself is a problem for some people which is right. a little different than, um, which is a different dynamic than I guess what you're also explaining, which right. is where, you know, you see something in someone else that makes you recoil right. because it's right. like, you don't want to be that. Right. Cause you don't want to be that two yeah. styles there. But yeah. so I would, I always ask the question, what is the perceived benefit of calling oneself an idiot? Like, what is it like there? Cause, cause there's some kind of perceived benefit somewhere in the psyche. You know, is that a motivational thing? Like try harder so that you're not an idiot. You know, is it a, is it, does it have sort of that kind of a feel to it or did it at one point, you know, like, cause there's a reason that's happening. There, that was, that was at least perceived to be adaptive at some point, I would say. Yeah. Otherwise, well, maybe if you this. condemn yourself, you do it maybe uh, before someone else does. Now that's a protective mechanism, right? It's a, yeah. an advanced warning, right? So Sometimes I've seen it in, cl in clients and seen it in myself in some ways where it's a way to join with uh, a person that you need to be connected with, right? So if, if you thought of yourself as an idiot and, you know, a caregiver thought of you as an idiot, you know, that may be a way to like, the, maybe the cost of connecting with another person is to condemn the self. You know, mm -hmm. that's a dynamic in some kind of, in some kind of uh, trauma, you know, family systems where there's a lot of trauma. Right. Yeah. As long as, as long as you're treating yourself like another person treats you, you can be in relationship with that other person. But if you were to think of yourself as not that, then the relationship would be lost. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that all happens before the age of reason kicks in, right? Which is really why it's important to kind of look at these things inside and, and to actually think about what's getting in the way of you loving you, what's getting in the way of you loving other people, what's getting in the way of you being light, Right. Because what I think what I think you're right on there. I like what you just said. And I think what you're speaking about ultimately is shame. Yeah. We are so shamed, you know, in those early moments of being shamed that maybe we don't even remember most of them have that imprint on us. And, mm -hmm. and Christ is calling us out of shame mm -hmm. when he calls us salt of the earth and light to the world. Mm -hmm. He's really calling us out of shame. And I really think that for most of us, it's so difficult to put ourselves out there. I know for me, like even just doing the show is putting right. myself out there and right. I'm having to overcome some shame right. impulses. Right. And right. so it's difficult. And I feel like that is the psychological barrier for some to actually do all the things that all these readings are telling us we're having to do something to this. Right. Week. And for some people it's like the shame is so overwhelming and the self-critical voice or whatever that's going on is so overwhelming that they, that they stay locked up that yep. once they stop. Absolutely. 
Yeah. You know, like who am I to be helping somebody else or my help isn't very good or I'm not doing this right. Or the other person's not responding in the way that I would hope, you know? And, and so, yeah, it's easy to back away from it. Right. And to get much more conservative, you know, much more guarded and, um, and then our light doesn't shine forth. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so the, the, and it, this is an amazing light too. If you, if you look at the descriptions of the light, like, that struck me like the light will break forth like the dawn. This isn't like a little candle, you know, we are the world. No, <laughs> oh, oh, a- oh, I have something to show you. Can I, show you? <laughs> I have a prop. Sorry. My mother sent me this. <laughs> and guess what? It lights up. <laughs> it lights up. <laughs> so, so, so it says, let, the, it light, says, let yes. the light within you shine. And it's got like, it's actually got lights. What is it? A book or a, like it's, a wall hanging? It's a wall hanging. It hangs okay. on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, didn't know where Jerry. to put it. My mom said it to me. It was very adorable. And I think we found a spot in the bathroom for it. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Very nice. You know, yeah, this, this light of ours is not to be, it's not small. It's like the dawn breaking. And in the gospel, that's in Isaiah. So the dawn breaking. And the, in the gospel, um, you know, we're talking about giving light to all the house. And in another spot in the glass, you know, another spot in the gospel it says you know the light of the world right this isn't just some little lighter that we're waving at a concert we're supposed to to have this light that's like the sun right the dawn breaking and what's getting in the way of that is you know our own spiritual lives and our own psychological lives right the natural and supernatural and so that's why really focusing on clearing that stuff out and remembering that yeah there are things that get in the way of that you know the reactions that we have um we really need to take a look at those things, right? It's not, it's not just to feel better. It's to actually be able to carry out that mission of being light and salt. Yeah. You know? And I think yeah. you're right. The number one thing that I think on a psychological level that gets in the way of that for people is shame and all the things that come from it. The sense of inadequacy, the sense of being unloved and unlovable, all of that stuff that most of the time we may not even be very aware of, or a lot of people are not very aware of. It depends on how well defended you are against it. Right? Some people experience it and it's raw immediacy and other people spend a lot of time defending against it and they don't actually experience it, but their behavior kind of shows that they're really protecting against it, right? Yeah. So what action items do we have for people this week? So we got action items. Um, so I'm going to say that, you know, um, to ask the question again in prayer What's getting in the way of my light shining? What's getting in the way of my light shining? And being open to not only spiritual things, you know, uh, moral things, but also psychological things. You know, is, is there a problem with fear? Is there a problem with shame? Is there a problem with trust? You know, asking God, asking Mary, asking our guardian angel, because our guardian angels know what our weaknesses are. Um, you know, there, to, and, and asking until we get, until we get some kind of some kind of new insight. Mm-hmm. What's getting in the way of my light shining? Yeah, awesome. All right, I had two things. The first one was to catch yourself in the negative self-talk. So f- notice if you are mislabeling yourself in some way, and then um, reorienting. So cat, when you catch yourself, 
with the the lie, right? So if the lie is I'm an idiot or I'm stupid or something, then remind yourself of the truth. I am salt of the earth. I am light to the world. And then think of one small action, one small thing that you can do to demonstrate that. And I, it could be something really small. You know, it was funny. I was thinking, when I was thinking about this, I was reflecting on why do people, you know, kind of don't want to do things to help others. <laughs> and I, one thought I had was um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll tell you why I thought Raiders of the Lost Ark. And if you don't know this movie, I'm sorry. I, I guess I'm dating myself. <laughs> no, I know. I but, know. Oh, yeah. If you're, I, know, if I don't mean you, young, Peter. You're yeah. too young. <laughs> I know you know the movie. Right. It's Harrison Ford, right? And he's this archaeologist who like goes around and like finds the lost Ark of the covenant or some jewel or some artifact from time. And it's so romanticized, you know, and even sometimes our saint stories of saints, like when I think of like St. Francis and, you know, doing this and that, or, or these amazing saints and, and they are amazing and, and worth reading, but it can be a little bit glamorous to us or romantic or romanticized is a better word for, and sometimes it's not like go to a homeless shelter and it can be a little bit, like slow and not exciting and it might sound like a great idea but it's not like you're not suddenly you know um you know joan of arc you know or something you are you know and and that can be hard for people so um just to, to in order to be consistent with service or to be you know motivational for service so to to realize that even a small action is actually doing a lot it is actually moving things forward and it's, and it's not always going to be romantic and glamorous was yeah, it could be with the people right around you too you don't have to necessarily exactly. go out you know and start a prison ministry or something like that the people yes. that are around you right now because this homelessness you know, this, this, this needing shelter, the hunger, the nakedness, some of this is also metaphorical, you know, I mean, like, like not metaphorical in the sense, I, I don't mean metaphor, I mean, like, it can be psychological, it can be taken in different ways, right? So, yeah. you know, vulnerability can, you can be a physical thing, right? But it can also be a psychological thing. So caring on, you know, kind of beyond just the narrow description of what's in Isaiah. Yeah. Um, so don't think, let some romantic or grandiose right. idea notions prevent you from doing some little action right that would be considered yeah that's what i mean to say thank you yeah all right well good well dr peter thank you and thank you for everybody for enduring me and my coughing and my (laughs) stuffy nose and my stuffy head a little bit this week but uh i still enjoy this time with you uh peter yeah it's been great to be with you jerry and it's been great to be with our audience and give us feedback let us know what you'd like to hear about like you know you know Tell us, tell us what you think. So, all right. So, be still. Believe. Be loved. Be loved. We'll see you next time. Take good care. God bless.